You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. With meatballs. I'll sleep with you for a meatball. Hurry! No one your ideas. Why don't you take a Paris with you, huh? I just thought you'd help you relax. What in hell was that? B flat. It will work. Oh, Toddy, it will If you not. listen to me and do exactly as I say, in six weeks you'll be the toast of Paris and we will both be very rich. Oh, did you think of the name? The nightclub is proud to present one of the great entertainers of our time. The one and only Victor. Victoria. Oh, baby, won't you play me the jazz hot, maybe, and don't ever the Earth Station One segment on Victor Victoria. It is our uh, LGBTQIA plus <laughs> segment. There's so many things you have to put in the list now. There are so many. Yeah, I kind of defaulted to just saying queer <laughs> because it kind of covers everything. But then some, especially younger people, are offended by queer, so I give up. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I'm, you know, you can't make everybody happy, Mary. You really can't. No, you can't. Look, queer is a reclaimed word. God darn it. <laughs> In my vocabulary. Anyway, uh, I am Mary Ogle, and I am happy to be here to talk about um, LGBTQIA+. <laughs> issue the, the compendium of letters issues. <laughs> and uh, joining me are uh, director Mike Faber. Hey, everybody. It is going to be a really good one tonight. And you know what? Thank you, Mary, for taking over hosting duties for the segment. Oh, absolutely. And also, 
Last but not least, Michael Gordon. Howdy. Yes, uh, yes. Thank you for. Well, I mean, we knew that this was this this type of show was going to continue, and uh, it's, of course, it's in honor of Darren. Uh, but uh, um, we still will will make sure that these uh, these segments, these shows are are done. Mm-hmm. We're still going to continue them, and it's weird because this is the first one we've done without right. Darren involved, and this was it's actually the last one he actually yeah. planned for us to do. And so, you know, we're doing this in his honor and his memory, folks. Yes, this this is one that Darren chose, um, the last one that Darren chose. And um, it is, I know he's not here physically, but his spirit definitely lives on in uh, our discussion. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Darren is not somebody who you forget. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you. Sorry. That's okay. I mean, we needed to say it, and I'm glad we did. And I thank you both for being willing to continue these oh, discussions. There was never, there's never a doubt. Yeah, I mean, they're they're needed. Representation is very important, and um, if we, if we can do a small part for that, then uh, I'm I'm really happy to do it. And that being said, let's let's talk about Victor Victoria. Uh, Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. 1982. 1982. Yeah. I'm feeling old. I was a junior in high school. You guys were even younger. I'm the old lady here. I think I was a freshman. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's not even talk about that. That's so unfair. But, um, you know, uh, probably, probably anybody listening to this has seen Victor Victoria. I have seen it about five million times. You will be spoiling uh, it, folks, though, if you haven't. Yes. 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 It's, uh, we will be spoiling, uh, ancient comedy. So had, had you guys seen it before? I had not. I had seen it when it first came out to the movies. So my parents loved Blake Edwards movies. They had taken us to the Pink Panther movies. They had taken us to see so many different films that he had done since the fifties and everything. And so they were, you know, anytime Blake Edwards came out with a movie, except for they didn't take us to see 10. I wonder why, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. Well, um, well, the one before this is SOB. Yes. That's the one I was going to (laughs) reference. That's true. And that's where uh, Julie Andrews bears it all. Exactly. Yes. Did and Did so, you see Breakfast at Tiffany's? That's one of his too. Oh, Breakfast with Tiffany's is a true classic. Someday we'll have to review that up here on the podcast. But yeah, no, I had my parents took us to go see this one, and they were, you know, after because you know they were like thrilled that we both my sister who was like three years younger than me, um, we both loved it. We both were like, you know, thrilled to see it. But it's probably been at least 10 years since I've seen it. So it was nice. Yeah, as I said, this is my first viewing of it. Uh, I've been aware of it, of course. It's not something I was not wanting to ever see. I was not, a, uh, it was not objectionable in any way to me. I was not opposed to seeing it. It just, it just never worked out. I, I didn't see it in the theater. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, uh, other movies, I guess, uh, 
came up and came and went. And uh, this one was always one of those ones that I was curious about. I'd heard good things about, um, especially particularly regarding Julie Andrews and her performance. Um, Blake Edwards is kind of a toss up, hit or miss for me. Sometimes he's brilliant. Other times, eh, not so much. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, but, uh, after seeing this, I would say that this is definitely on the, on the more brilliant side. This is a, a really, uh, solid one from him. Yeah. I, I adore this movie, even though, yes, there are problematic things about it. Oh yeah. We are going to talk about looking at it from a, uh, a gay or ally perspective. Um, but I still find it very enjoyable. It's, it's very much a product of its time. Um, there were, it, it, there was kind of a, a weird thing going on in the early eighties where kind of mainstream studios were, were basically trying to win the, the gay market. And so they read, they would release movies like this that were, um, sort of, uh, they had yeah well they are gay adjacent uh, yeah i hate to say gay friendly they they were they had gay people in them um but from a straight point of view usually Mm -hmm. and um so yeah yeah yeah. it is interesting because this comes out the same year as dustin hoffman does tootsie Mm -hmm. uh it came out the same year as uh john lithgow is in uh playing a transvestite in world according to garp the garp right um other you know partners personal best yentl even is a woman dressed as a man uh in 1983 and uh cruising is around this time as well uh making love as well and so there seemed to be this it is interesting that there's this sort of boon of movies featuring sort of drag characters gay characters adjacent that kind of thing i do wonder yeah i mean normally Hollywood only gets on a trend if it's if it's making money, and I do wonder if they're they thought something was making money, like if if they thought this was going to make money, so that's why they kept coming out with these at this time. Because I don't remember anything really like boom, like coming out and and shocking everybody, and then Hollywood following with a lot of little films. But uh, um, it is interesting that they and this is right, like also right at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic, right? Well, not, not I mean, not it's been a, it's been a few years actually since the AIDS epidemic started. It, it started sort of the end of seventies, right. beginning of the eighties. Um, but yeah, let's, let's set the scene actually. Uh, 1982. Uh, uh, we're definitely, um, getting pretty heavily into the AIDS crisis by then. Um, it was still loudly gov- called, you know, they didn't, they called it the gay disease. They didn't really call it AIDS by that, by that point yet. Yeah. The gay disease. I remember that. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. American government. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They called it gay cancer. Um, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you where I was around this time. Um, like I said, I was a junior in high school, but just the eighties in general. Um. I was a very closeted, <laughs> very closeted lesbian living in a very small southern, living in a, well, living in between a small and a large southern town um, where it was not accepted at all to be gay unless you wanted to be killed. And you think I'm joking. I am not joking. I mean, hurt. You're going to be hurt. 
people were not open about it. Um, you know, a few years after this, when when I'm in college, my my car will be vandalized, my tires will be slashed, my mm. my windshield cracked, uh, gay slurs written on it. Um, I will I will walk into a mall and have a screaming match with a mall, a very public. Now this wouldn't happen today, probably, and a very public place where a table, a very prominent table, was set up in the middle with people saying gay people deserve to die, um, handing out little pamphlets about how this was an act of God. So this was the 80s, people. <laughs> it was not gay friendly. Uh, as an uh, interesting that Victor Victoria said in 1934 in Paris at a time when uh, it actually was easier to be more open about being gay. This was before World War II. Uh, it was the same way in, in Berlin, of all places. In fact, Nazism was kind of a... a fascism in general was kind of a, a reaction to that, much like has happened today, where uh, things have started to become more open and people have turned around and attacked uh, the people who are just trying to live their lives. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why Darren picked this movie is that the time leading up to fascism is uh, is kind of paralleling our own. It's interesting, too, because this was set right about the same time Cabaret was set, too. Yes. In the same era. But when, when I, sorry, go No, no, go ahead. No, what I was finding interesting, too, is that uh, this movie is, I mean, even though it's a Blake Edwards written movie, it's based on uh, a movie that came out in 1933, mm -hmm. a German movie called Victor and Victoria. Uh, the plot is... Similar, not exactly the same, but similar. And uh, and it, I find it interesting that it, it's a German movie. Now, there was a American uh, language version, I think, that came out the following year called George and Georgette. Uh, and this was, it was remade a couple of other times. Um, but I, I this is pre-code, right? The 30s, uh, 30, early 30s are pre-code. So movie studios could get away with a little bit more pushing the envelope a little bit more showing showing characters that when the Hayes code and all that would come into play in a couple of years, as you mentioned, even not as extreme as fascism, but still a reaction to it would happen in the States where this sort of thing would not be this sort of subject would not be touched for another five decades almost. Right. Yeah, I mean. Uh, it, yeah, it's very interesting. I think that that uh, like F. Gerard chose to keep this set in in at the in this time, at this time period. Uh, I think that was in a way a kind of uh, not really a statement, but a subtext <laughs> of uh, of gay life today, or even in the eighties, and with with the AIDS crisis going on. And how yeah, you probably could have used the same. You probably could have done the same plot. At, in the 80s, I mean, this takes place in 82, um, but I find it interesting that they kept it in this time period, maybe because they thought more people, it would appeal to people because it was in the past rather than present. I'm sure that had something to do with it. I mean, that's one way of kind of queer coding 
something like this, um, even though it's a little more in the open than just being coded. But but it's a way to make it more palatable to people. Um, you know, I'm not I'm being uh, presented with this, but I'm not uh, necessarily seeing this in my everyday life, even though yeah. they are. <laughs> but but their eyes are just not quite as open to it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I find that I find that very interesting that that he retained that, and and I have a feeling that's that's one of the reasons. Um, Julie Andrews is known as as being very outspoken about her support of gay people. She has lent her name and her time to a lot of gay causes. Uh, so um, she was. I don't really know Blake Edwards' stance on it, though there are all sorts of rumors about Blake Edwards. But you know, whatever. Rumors are rumors. Who cares? It doesn't really matter. Um, and even though this this movie sort of ends in a sort uh, in a way that kind of conforms to quote unquote traditional values, <laughs> uh, as far as as what Julie Andrews decides to do or her character decides to do. Uh, I, I, I one thing I found very refreshing about it was that. Uh, the gay people aren't killed. <laughs> yes, that's always no. good. <laughs> that's that's Tod Toddy and Squash do not hold hands and go running off a cliff together. <laughs> you know, nobody needs to commit suicide. Uh, nobody, nobody dies tragically of a disease or, you know, is. And that is not something that you that even to this day a lot of uh, not just gay people but. Any sort of um, character that's not in the mainstream, any sort of marginal character. Uh, we talked about this on a previous podcast once about how also, you know, people of color, they often they're the ones that are killed in the movies. You know, that marginal people are not rep even if they are there, they're not represented well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I one, that's one of the things I like about this movie is that here I don't I mean, you're supposed to feel affection for Toddy. You're supposed to admire Toddy. Oh, Toddy. And, uh, yeah. Robert Preston is just plays it so well. Yeah. Plus Robert Preston. Yeah. It's amazing. The musical numbers in this movie are so good. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. I do give credit to I mean, Robert Preston and uh Alex Karras both, uh, Alex Karras in particular, uh, being uh, an ex, um, a former NFL uh, player uh, who turned to acting. Uh, you know, I, I find it both interesting uh, that and interesting that both of these gentlemen uh, are are sort of taking a chance, like you know, playing uh, gay men in in a in a very high profile movie. Mm -hmm. That people are going to see, and and in a in a way that they're not. I mean, it is a funny movie, but I never get the feeling that that they're the butt of the jokes. No, not, not at all. Yeah, no, not no, at no. all. Which I think their, I mean, their relationship is actually treated really nicely. I think, and um, and Robert Preston, you know, I mean, that's a this is a guy who was uh, stealing hearts in in Music Man and all these shows and movies and stuff like that. And he was in, beloved in for Music Man for yeah, you. but he, you know, I'm watching this and I'm going, man, he is so good. Like I totally buy him as this character. 
Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Oh yeah, he was uh, very believable. And he's he um he actually <laughs> I find it kind of funny because I was reading some of the some of the reviews from when this first came out and they talk about how flamboyant Robert Preston's character is and I'm looking at him like that's he's very, he's really restrained. <laughs> I mean they they obviously have not seen RuPaul's <laughs> Drag Race. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's a product of its time. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the people who are against uh, cross-dressing or, or gay people in this movie are the ones who are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yes, life. absolutely. And I mean, they're they're shown they're shown to be bullies or fools. They they are not celebrated. Yeah, I, I found that really kind of. I was surprised by that. I I thought maybe, you know, Blake and company would be taking pot shots at, because yeah, Blake, like traditionally he takes like shots at everything. I mean, I don't see that he singles one, one group out among others. Uh, Certainly in the Pink Panther movies or other comedies, he just likes to take the piss out of things. And uh, in this, he's, he seems to be, as you pointed out, kind of restrained where it's like, I'm going to tell this story, but and even though this person is doing uh, a thing where she's fooling, you know, she's trying to pull this thing off on and fool a lot of people. She's not the bad person here. Um, and in fact, all the people who are, are, are outsiders normally in life are not the bad people here. Mm-mm. No, and no, the- think it's very supportive, the community and that they had in Paris. Yeah. And, with, you know, and it was, not frowned upon if somebody was gay or somebody was bisexual or even a a cross-dresser or trans when she gets reported for to the cops i found it interesting that she wasn't reported for you know being gay or transvestite or anything like that she was reported for being a fraud um because i was like that surprised me because i was like what you know that i i mean maybe maybe that's the difference in setting it in paris and setting it like in New York. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it was. I mean, I think there was there was kind of a tradition in Paris at that time. Right. You yeah. Know, Famously, to, to they have they, performers and drag. Performers, yeah. black performers, Josephine Baker, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It seemed like Paris was a lot more welcoming to to folks like of all of all kinds. Mm-hmm. And that was I mean, what made it fascinating. Was, you know, it's just like everyone was comfortable with it. Everyone didn't question it. And, you know, it was the the people who wanted to bust, you know, Victoria were the people that were, were felt like, oh, well, she's stealing, taking our money, you know, and such. And, you know, you had the other club owner who was, you know, sent the private detective. And everything, because he, you know, like, hey, they're pulling the wool over the, the Clouseau-like detective. Yeah. Oh, yes, was, very it, much so. I was almost <laughs> fully expecting, because I think Peter Sellers had passed by this point. Yeah, he was supposed to. He was supposed to be in this movie, but I think he was supposed to be in the Robert Preston role. I couldn't see it. Uh, yeah, boy, that's hard to picture. I did yeah. not know that. No, yeah. I didn't either. Yeah, he was supposed to. It was yeah. Um, my when, when I was reading it, yeah, or the, what I read is that he was supposed to. It was developed a lot earlier when he was still alive, and it was supposed to be him and Julie Andrews still. And I think James Gardner might, was always attached to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but James and Julie have a, a history. They they've worked together, and 
they get along really well and they make a great couple. Yes. Yeah, I have have to say, even even the King Martian character who I mean, even though he, he kind of walks around having trying to prove his masculinity by, you know, walking into a bar people. and yeah. starting a, a fight and that that sort of thing. But he's, you know, he comes across as as pretty accepting when his bodyguard announces that he's gay. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's, awesome. yeah, he's surprised, but he's not, you know, he's not he's like, not get away. yeah, he's not get away from me or you're fired or I'm going right. to tell my my goons to kill you or, you know, <laughs> it, 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 nothing like that. He's just like, OK. Well, things are weird now, and I'm just going to accept this. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is the weirdest trip to Paris I've ever had. <laughs> or, you know, as Judy said, you know, it was like, he's the nicest gangster I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's I, not I, a gangster. He's just a businessman. Exactly. He's a club owner. <laughs> like I said, I, I do think Julie and James make a great couple, and I, I'm sort of, you know, I was rooting for them as well. Then part of it is because James Gardner's character is one that's pretty open despite the fact that you wouldn't traditionally think he would be. Um, but I, I did read that uh, Blake Edwards always looked back on this saying that he wished he was braver because he put in the scene where he finds out, you know, that she's a woman by spying her in the bath. And he's in, in, he's, that wasn't originally supposed to be there, but he wasn't brave enough to just have the scene where uh, where he doesn't find out and he, it doesn't matter if she's a man or a woman. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, I was going to bring that scene up too. That, that's a pretty problematic scene. He basically stalks her. Oh, big time. Yeah. You know, yeah. he hides in, in the cupboard in her bathroom and spies on her while she's getting undressed and getting into the bath. Um, that is not something that <laughs> serves his character well. And, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, but I had that thought when, when I was watching that, I thought, I bet, I almost thought, I wonder if the studio told Blake Edwards, you have to do this or something like this. I don't know if it came from the studio. I, I just, I know Blake said that he, he said that he wished he was braver and didn't put that in there. Uh, because the line is still there where he says, I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Right. Uh, I love you or whatever. And then kisses her. And, and, and that's a, that's a powerful scene, but it is taken. Yeah. It's less powerful because we know he knows. Yeah. Right. It would have been better if you didn't know that he knew. Yeah. Already. Right. And yeah. that he, yeah. was just like, he was just obsessed with her because he was obsessed with her from the very first time he saw her. Right. But when, yeah. even when he thinks she's a man. Exactly. Right. Well, Leslie I mean, Warren's to be fair, she he never he that. never believes it. Well, he says that, yeah, but I think he is questioning a little bit. Oh, questioning, sure. But. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm, I first of all, I would have been shocked if in the eighties uh, he had not found found out she was a woman before really deciding, you know, to to pursue her because it was the eighties. <laughs> that just wasn't good. <laughs> that just wasn't going to happen. Um. So I'm I'm disappointed at that directing choice, but I'm not surprised. Uh, and I think that I don't think he could have got away with it at that time. I don't think like Edwards could have got away with not having a scene like that in yeah, there. Maybe. I don't know. I don't. I, yeah. I'd like to think not. I mean, I'd like to think that he could. I mean, 
This is a guy who, uh, you know, bared his wife's breasts in the movie right before this. <laughs> Which yeah, is, it's not the same though. No, you're right. It's you're not right. the it's same. Not, it's not. You're I absolutely mean, right. It, it's and, okay. It's okay to show a woman neck naked. It's not okay to show two men kissing. Nope. At least in this at this point in time. Right. No, it's yeah, most of the characters, yeah. even in the ones that uh, movies that I mentioned before that came out in the eighties, like Urla Carding the Garp or or um Tootsie. I mean, Bill Murray plays a gay character in that movie, but he never kisses anybody. Mm-hmm. We never we never see him be gay. He we just you know, he is. Yeah, I mean, we see Toddy and, and Squash, the bodyguard, to you know, just in bed together to in bed. Yeah, but you right. don't see them be physical. But, right. Yeah. It almost made me think of remember back in the old I Love Lucy's where they had the separate twin beds? Yes. Because <laughs> at that time you couldn't even show a straight couple. Right. <laughs> they were both in their silk pajamas. They weren't <laughs> naked or anything like that. That's what it made me think of. It's like he's, he's this. I thought poor Blake Edwards is trying so hard <laughs> to show what happened in a way that's going to keep this a mainstream movie. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And that's but I think it still works. Yeah. I think the the story is is fun. The actors are great. Uh, the songs are fun. Uh, and Julie is just this is this is a great performance from her. She's mm-hmm. amazing. She is absolutely amazing as as both Victor and Victoria, and sort of in in between because I I kind of like how she plays it. When when she's first talking to King and she's kind of, um, and and if you, she's kind of going back and forth between uh, her her female persona and her male persona, and he's he's confused as hell. He has no idea why he's feeling what he's feeling, and they just they both play it really well. That kind of confusion. Mm-hmm. They didn't do a really good job at hiding her Adam's apple, though, in the costumes either. They had a collar most of the time. But, uh, well, I never really believed that she was a guy. Like, I ne- there was ne- aesthetically, I never looked at her and went like, wow, Julie Andrews like, is playing, a, a, like, like really looks like a dude here. I, I always kind of knew, but, I mean, I knew anyway, but I don't think they did. Or they didn't, re- well, obviously they didn't make her look butch because even when she was a guy she was supposed he, he was supposed to be a female impersonator so he was always going to look feminine right right i mean yeah i mean well I, it would have been hard to make i think julie andrews look look butch i mean just <laughs> just the body type she has very delicate bone structure and then you, even though of course in real life any Anybody, you know, could call themselves butch and take on that persona and be and be that if that's what they are, no matter what you look like. But for but um, in this film. um, Yeah, I don't they basically she's a twink. (laughs) Fair enough. I definitely could see that. And it was interesting, but I liked I liked the interactions that, you know. She was believable, though, and I love every time when she performed and then she pulled the wig off 
and everything. That was just awful. Yes, and the look on her face when she did that, it was so defiant. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. look at me. Yeah. You know, yes. Like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I love Take it. Take it or leave it. <laughs> and everything. Yeah, there, there's, uh, there's actually a lot of questions here about gender nonconformity and gender fluidity and um though i will say that they still kind of keep to stereotypes of what a man is and what a woman is uh e- even when she's when she's portraying a man she has to act a certain way to be perceived as a man or when she's she's a woman she has to act a certain way to be perceived as a woman um which you know in real life it's a spectrum and yeah as well that's, that's just not yeah that's just not the way it is but in here it's actually pretty rigid uh the those uh those roles of male and female i do like the way that preston in particular toddy is is challenging those i mean he there he go he has a couple speeches where he says something to the effect of like there are all types of men mm-hmm. there's not just one kind of man mm-hmm. like you know i'm a man and he's he's not ashamed to say he's a man uh but he's a gay man and he's not a sh- he doesn't seem to be ashamed of that either uh he doesn't seem to be ashamed of much um as a matter of fact they talk about that too where he's like he doesn't know what shame is i mean i think he really he does, does but no he but does i mean but i mean his character is 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 not afraid to be who he is uh and and that might mean that he gets fired or gets into causes fights or does this or that or the other thing but he's gonna he's gonna be who he is. Yes. And uh and I think I think he's I think he's brilliant in this. The 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 ending uh sequence where he's doing uh uh Julie Andrews number uh in, in drag is so good. And I read that they only they did it in one take. Oh so wow. That, so that was just that so what the reason why he's sweaty and the dress is torn. The dress is torn to this day because it was her dress mm-hmm. uh, that he used. Um, everything like is, is what you see is what they showed, and all his comments and everything that was ad lib. That's all Robert Preston doing that, and uh, I just thought he was he was brilliant in that. He was amazing. That's one of my favorite numbers, favorite it scenes. It's, <laughs> because that, it's so, so wonderful. It's so wonderful. I didn't laugh out loud very often, but during that sequence, I must have laughed out loud at least three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome, though, because it was streaming on HBO. So it was nice to, oh, excuse me, Max. That's right. Yes. Max, the home of HBO. Exactly. So. But yes, it was it was awesome to be able to watch, and we actually watched it Saturday night, and then I went back to, you know, watch parts of it again earlier today. So it was it was pretty awesome to be able to you know make sure I caught up with everything, and it's just as enjoyable as I remember seeing it as a kid. Yeah, I think it I think it holds up pretty well, and I think the fact that it takes place in thirty four. Uh, kind of helps give it a timeless quality, um, even because obviously it was done in the 80s. But yet it, I mean, it doesn't feel like a 34 movie, but it still has that it has that beautiful Art Deco aesthetic, which I just love. 
Oh, this, the I, sets in here and the costumes are amazing. amazing. The production values are, yes. are spot on. Yes. I mean, I'm like, I want to live in that world. I don't, I never say I want to live in Paris, but <laughs> this Paris, <laughs> this Paris, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind living here. Yeah. Just be careful of the cockroaches at the restaurant. Well, only, if, right. I had, only <laughs> if I had money, I wouldn't want to be poor or <laughs> broke in this no. town. Well, oh, that yeah. scene where Julie Andrews was outside of the restaurant watching that guy eat the eclair. Yes. Oh, it's just like, oh, he's <laughs> an eclair by on the side. <laughs> I'm like, that's just cruel. I think that guy was just inhaling it. So it's yes. okay. But actually, that one thing I like about the Julie Andrews character is even though she she needs to to take on this male persona in order to to find her to, in order to gain power and mm -hmm. prestige in, in society, she's still portrayed as a strong woman. I mean, even before she does that, even when she's starving. She's got, you know, she, there's a fire behind her. There's a determination. She's not giving up. You know, she's just trying to find a way to survive. And she, she's uh, just very strong and very confident. Um, except, except when she's starting to question what, whether she's going to, to continue this romance with King or, or keep being the, the the drag impersonator. It was interesting because I felt like she got stronger as this movie went on, the story went along, because she became more and more confident in herself and everything. Because she was a very weak character when you first meet her. Hell, she's almost raped in the hotel room by the hotel manager. Yeah, see, that's another problematic issue with this movie is that they really play that for laughs. That's not funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I mean, almost being sexually assaulted. Yeah, and and it's very clear that's that's what's almost about to happen. I yeah. mean, the guy drops his trousers. Yep. And uh, you know what what she's what she is uh, what 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 women have to do in order to survive? Because I mean, she's hardly the only woman who's ever done something like that. Right. So that was just really interesting, and I do think you know it, there's so many you know points in this movie where it touches on goes from very funny very humorous to very serious very quickly and then back again and that's a really good sign from blake edwards and everything that he had the history to be able to do that yeah i mean i will say also that i think the ending undercuts her strength because she, this happens so much, <laughs> so many times uh, in in movies where the woman or or the or the marginalized character—it's not always the woman—who gives up their life for the other person. You know, there, there's an, a compromise here. Mm -mm. She she decides to at first she says she's not going to give it up, but then at the end she decides she will. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm tired of seeing that. <laughs> I'm tired of seeing, uh, especially women in these types of movies, giving, giving up their lives for whatever, whoever their romantic prospect 
is usually a man. Uh, and I think it undercuts the message of the movie that the message of the movie is, is be yourself, actually, even, even though she has to not be herself to to gain power and prestige. But that's kind of the point of it, that that that's a, a statement on society's expectations and how it shouldn't be that way. Um, I think the ultimate message of the movie is be yourself, except he completely undercuts it at the end. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't know that I felt that it was completely overcut. I mean, I undercut. I mean, I get what you're saying, and I and I do think that's all all too common in in romantic comedies. Uh, so I get it. Um, but I did like. I was surprised. I did like the the fact that even though uh, Gardner was Gardner's character was saying like, "You need to give this up," um, she was saying, "Well, you need to give up what you do." Like you, you're hanging out with gangsters. You say you're not a gangster or a mobster, but you're hanging around with mobsters. You do business with mobsters. You're, you got to give that up. So both of them give that up at the end to do whatever. I mean, we don't know what they're going to do afterwards. Both of them are different. I imagine they'll both live. Maybe I don't know if they'll live in Paris or live wherever, but I imagine they're going to try to live in a place where they, they are completely not doing what they were doing before. Well, well, they stay in Paris in about six years. They are going to be very unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's true. <laughs> that's absolutely true. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, there's not any places where in the many places in the world they're going to be able to go in six years and not be. Uh, no, well, happy. they might be better off in Chicago and yep. <laughs> when, when you get closer to 1940. He never ended up signing that form, though, to sign over the clubs back to the guy. Yeah, see, I, I got the feeling that they would probably end up going back to Chicago because he yep. did not not get rid of the nightclub. Yep. Oh, I thought he did. Sorry. I thought he did give that. No. But, I mean, it's not it. stated explicitly, so we don't really know. Yeah. And to your uh, point, it should have been like it. That would have been a better, you know, to have both of them start fresh together would have been uh, a nice, uh, a nice ending. I think a nicer ending. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A nightclub in Berlin. We could go work at no. <laughs> with Joel Gray. Yeah. So it'd be it's interesting and everything, but yes, it's it'd be very interesting to see you know what their stories would have been and everything. But I'm I think it ended at at the right spot. But I agree with Mary that it she shouldn't have given up being Victor and everything. But I don't think she would have survived being she King would have stayed with her if she did. I don't I don't I don't think she should have given up performing. And I don't think she's going to, but I don't, I, think, I don't think she was happy being Victor. I never got the sense that she was happy being Victor. Um, she liked playing Victor, but I, I think she, by being Victor, she felt like she was limited and, and not herself. And I think that ultimately she needed to be Victoria. Um, so I do think that that element was there. Um and so even though I don't agree with like, you know, the guy having to say, you need to change for me, I do think that she needed to sort of come clean and be just herself and have people accept Victoria on stage rather than Victor. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, it's. I mean, she she. 
she she felt like she she wasn't being seen unless she had this gimmick right and uh but but i mean that wasn't even her idea that was toddy's right and that and, was yeah that was toddy's doing not not right. really hers and and i don't think she minded playing it for a little while but yeah. she she didn't want to make that you know her entire life because that means hiding your entire life which again that's what gay people do Mm-hmm. They hide their entire lives. Um, even today, you know, if you're if if you're decide to be out and proud, well, you're taking a chance. Um, and yes, it is different than it was in the 80s, but it's circling back around. And uh, like even, you know, when I when I lived in Ojai in California. I felt fairly open about being able to say walk hand in hand with my girlfriend down the street. I would never do that in Tallahassee unless maybe I was, you know, at pride, you know, surrounded by other people uh, who I knew were accepting, Mm -hmm. even though the Westboro Baptists are probably standing on the outskirts with their little signs. Um, Yeah, but it's, you know, we're, we're, one of the reasons why I think this movie still holds up is that we still have these issues going on. And yes, some things have changed. I mean, gay marriage was was legalized, but it's it's hanging by a thread at this point because of who is on the Supreme Court, who is in control of Congress, how things can change on a dime. Um, there's still no real security about being able to i mean geez i mean the supreme court is even has even made noises about interracial marriage which is insane um but it shows you how we take you know you take these rights for granted mm-hmm. fight fight like hell to get them then you become complacent and look 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 what happens it, it turns around mm. it does and it could, it could go just like that that's do you uh, do you think a movie like this could be made today? I think it would be harder edged if it was made today. Yeah, I think it would be different. Yeah, if it was, I think you could make it, but it would be different. I don't think it would be accepted if it was made exactly in the same way, because but, uh, people people would say that you are glossing over uh, issues that you should not be glossing over. Would a yeah, that's yeah, I I get that. Um, I I don't know. I don't see a major studio paying for this kind of movie right now, though. I don't. I mean, I haven't seen yeah, you this know kind what? of thing presented by a major studio, um, not like this in a long time. Yeah, I mean, this is not. My sister and I were talking about this earlier today, actually, about how whether things have changed, uh, really changed as far as gay representation. In, in movies and we came to the conclusion that with the major studios no it hasn't really changed what's changed is that there are other forces making movies now there's a lot more independent studios there's a lot more um streaming services um there are it's easier to make your own movie you know with your iphone <laughs> It's there are just more there are more places to watch 
um, more content. And so what's really changed is that we have a, a broader view. We have more outlets. I'm not sure that the major studios themselves have changed all that much. I mean, they, a little bit. It's <laughs> like just as much as they had to. Um, but, but not, not in a major way, not in a, a really meaningful way. Um, but I mean, you know, right now they're just making all retreads. Anyway, it's all about the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Any, well, anyway. I mean, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is a retread. So this is a remake. It was a hit. So I'm thinking like, you know, but I, but you're right. I don't see, I don't see Disney doing a remake of this and putting it on Disney plus. I just don't see that. Um, uh, and as far as the other, um, plus, I mean, it is kind of a, a, a lost kind of movie that, I mean, they don't make movies like this anymore. They don't make movies that are musicals much anymore. They don't make movies that have this kind of fun tone to them. Uh, romantic comedies are not made as much anymore either. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things about this movie that just don't, they're not a thing anymore. And, uh, but also remember though, this did have a Broadway run also. It did. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Julie Andrews did the broad, did the initial Broadway run. That's fine. I would have, I would have liked to have seen that. I don't know. That would have been amazing. Yeah. And and that was was just replaced by Liza. (laughs) Talk about cabaret. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I would have liked to have seen that as well. That would have been a fun. I mean, there have been strides. There have been things like like um, like Fun Home on -hmm. Broadway, which started out as as a graphic novel, Mm -hmm. which is a story, Alison Bechdel's story about growing up. Her father was a funeral director and her life coming out as a lesbian. Um, I don't think that would have been made in 1982. (laughs) I can tell you that. We will probably have lots more other topics, you know, coming up that'll fit in, you know, past this category and such, too. Yeah, I mean, I think this was a very interesting discussion. I I appreciate you guys coming on this journey with me because. Loving, um, loving, lovely. lovely. Because, yeah. And in fact, uh, I think I think we about covered it. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, if you haven't seen the movie, folks, definitely oh, go see it. <laughs> please, please. It's a it's a it's a fun movie to see. It's a fun movie to talk about. Um, I mean, it does bring up a lot of interesting ideas, I think. Um, and I and like I said, I think ultimately, yes, there's some things, scenes or whatever. It's problematic, et cetera, et cetera. But I think overall, the message of the movie, the tone of the movie, the fact that it doesn't demonize uh gaze or cross-dressing or anything like that i think is a plus um i think it's a very positive experience seeing this movie overall yeah it's kind it's kind of a gentle movie in a way and in in the sense that um yeah gay gay people are not (laughs) not tortured killed uh stoned (laughs) thrown in jail (laughs) though they do almost end up in jail or do for a few minutes um yeah so it it's it's and yes I, you know I'll say it's a product of its time but I think it's also influenced a lot of things that came after it I, mean, I can definitely see influence and in things like like Will and Grace 
um, you know, you, it's, it's something I think, especially, you know, from, from an historical point of view, an academic point of view, and also just an enjoyable point of view that I would recommend mm-hmm. going to see. Agreed. 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 Awesome, Mary. Thank you so, so much for this topic. Oh, thank you. I really, and thank you, Darren. Thank you, Darren, Darren. for choosing it, for being here in spirit and inspiring us. Uh, We are forever grateful for for what you did. He's looking down at us and going, that's it, guys? Come on. I want to hear the story. Keep on going. We could could talk about this for another three hours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't mention this scene. He didn't mention this scene. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Well, let's take a quick Uh, break and we will close up the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Marvel's Secret Invasion, Episode 1. It's been a long time since we've had new Marvel television. We've had some fun films in the last few months, but there's been a live-action TV void. And we finally have Secret Invasion, an hour-long, six-episode miniseries following Nick Fury as he returns to Earth to try to stop the Skrull invasion. Fury is joined by Maria Hill and Talos to try and stop a small network of Skrulls who are living on Earth and have decided that they want to eliminate the human race and keep the planet for themselves. The first episode showed us an older Nick Fury, way more tired and just run down than we've seen in the past, and he has a very different vibe than what we've seen before. We see a lot of familiar faces from previous Marvel films, and we meet a lot of newer characters as well, like Gaia, Talos' daughter, played by Amelia Clark. I really loved the mystery and espionage style that the first episode had. It was very intense, and I'm really interested to see what the remainder of the series will hold for us as viewers. And I'm also wondering about what ripples from what happens in this series will also affect other movies and shows in the Marvel Universe. Who knows? But I really hope that this does ripple in and give us more context and more storylines for later Marvel shows. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Good afternoon. May we be of assistance, sir? Yes, I'm looking for a podcast for someone who likes that 1960s headache music. Don't these podcasters have atrocious taste? Sir, may I recommend this podcast by Monkeying Around? I guarantee a migraine. I never heard of monkeying around. You never heard of monkeying around? He's, He's never, never heard, heard of, of monkeying around. around. What does monkeying around sound like? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. He took it? He took it. Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank Mary so, so much for you know putting this one together for us tonight. Oh, thank you both. I really enjoyed talking about it, and I'm I'm looking forward to to going forward and talking all about gay issues on on ESL. Any other hints of what we're gonna be where we're gonna be going next? Well, I think I'm going to uh, select a movie called Cloudburst, which was made in 2011. It's Olympia Dukakis and Brenda Fricker, two amazing actresses. Uh, the story of an older lesbian 
couple who uh, escape uh, to Canada to get married after one breaks the other one out of a nursing home. Oh, interesting. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Never so heard it, of that one. So. And it, yeah, it's well worth watching, I think. That would be awesome. Anything you want to shout out about? Uh, just happy pride, everybody. Happy pride. Happy, happy pride. Even though here in Atlanta, they don't do pride till October. <laughs> Nonconformists. <laughs> yeah, damn straight. <laughs> yes, very much so. Hopefully everyone had a great June and, you know, let their, you know, their flags fly, as I like to say. Yep. Folks, be happy, be who you are, and please, if you're having troubles coming out or having any issues with that, please, there are plenty of people to listen to you and to talk to you about it and everything. There's no reason for you to be unhappy. So, please. It's better. Yeah. Talk, talking as a little gay kid who grew up in a family that had no idea how to accept me and in a city that had no idea how to accept me, uh, you know, you, you will find your community. Very much so. Very much so. That's going to be my shout out because, you know, I think, you know, folks, you know, if you're, you know, everyone can find their place. Everyone has their communities and, you know, online, there's so many outlets and stuff that are full of positivity and please take advantage of it. And if you need, you know, there's phone numbers, there's organizations that will help you. And don't be fooled by the fake ones, folks. There's nothing wrong with what you're doing. There is nothing wrong with it. So please, you know, be true to yourself. That's what it's all about. So. You are who you are. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Exactly. 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 And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, sir. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about or? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, of course, I reiterate everything you guys say, reinforce uh, the fact that people like this movie, people, I mean, people should be themselves. Uh, anything that uh, is in the way of people being themselves, I mean, unless yourself is an ex-wielding murderer, that kind of thing, uh, or uh, just a plain old bigot, then then no, don't be yourself. But otherwise, uh, uh, be yourself um, and uh, be uh as Mike mentioned, there's a lot of organizations out there. I think we have to mention uh, one that was dear to Darren's heart, which was the uh, Lost and Found Youth uh, of Atlanta. Um, you can go to lnfy.org, find out more about that organization, finding safety and shelter for Atlanta's LGBTQ and youth. Um, it helps a lot of people. I know he was involved. It was one of his favorite charities. So um, if you're trying to figure out how you can support people during Pride or any other time, uh, check out that site in particular. Awesome. That is all going for goodness, folks. Definitely check that out. And Darren would definitely be happy that, you know, we've talked about his charity and stuff that he was very fond of and everything. But he was a huge, huge supporter of it. And, you know, there's safe havens, folks. There are, no matter what. So. Please, please, please know you have your friends here at ESO also to fall back on. If you just need to talk or anything, any of the three of us would be glad to do that for you, too. Yeah, we're here. Very much so. Very, very much so. 
As always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. Always remember, we couldn't do this without you. We love you guys at home. And if you want to help support the podcast, please, please check out our tea Public store, especially our Wonder Warrior t-shirt. And every penny we get from that is going to the charity that Mike mentioned. And that was all in Darren's honor. So definitely check out the Wonder Warrior t-shirt. All you have to do is go to the Earth Station One website or the ESO Network website and click on tea Public. And we have links on both of those. And the Wonder Warrior is one right there at the top. So definitely check it out. And I think Darren would smile and laugh to see that his face is on people's chests. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, also remember, if you want to listen to our show before the rest of the world, there is the ESO Network Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can help support us here at Earth Station One and the rest of the ESO Network. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. We want to hear from you, so please write us anytime at feedback at earthstation1.com. Remember, you can also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And now Earth Station One could also be found in video format up on YouTube. So you can see Mary's really awesome artwork she has behind her. her. So definitely check it out. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, and Ms. Mary Ogle. Thank you for listening. We will see you here next time on Earth Station One. And Mary, you didn't plug your artwork. So go ahead and do that real quick. You can find me at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. All right. We are out of here. Peace. And we are done. We miss you. Ta-ta. We miss you. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.